0: It is time to bring in our first guests, the the legendary and wonderful Louisa Rose. Good morning to you, Louisa.
1: Good morning, Rich. How are you going?
0: I'm very well. Very well. Thanks for joining us.
1: Uh, Hi, Louisa. So uh, Louisa Rose, um, a very, very well-known winemaker in not just in Australia, in the world, um, specifically for some fantastic Rieslings, but Viognes as well. The reason why I wanted to get you on the show specifically today is to, Help you celebrate um, the 175th birthday of Pusey Vale. Well, I wanted to hear a bit about a the celebration, um, and I think every, I think you are launched the wine on the 1st of November, so it's been out for almost a a week now. So can you tell us a, a bit about what we can expect, what sort of, what the party is going to be like, or was like, or is continuing to be like, and um and what the 2022 riesling is like
2: yes um for sure so well let's start with the wine so 22 um is a a great vintage um we've had a sort of a you know a a string now sort of three you know cooler than normal seasons Mm -hmm. um which doesn't mean to say it's cold we're in you know i mean i say we're in sort of blessed country here in the barossa and eden valley with uh with a sort of an almost perfect climate for, for growing grapes yeah. um but um we haven't had the heat spikes and uh, i think like like uh, most of the east coast of australia with uh you know it has been a little bit cooler um we haven't particularly been been wetter up until the probably the last couple of months mm. um so we've, we've missed most of the rain that the, that the east coast has had and so that's just been beautiful for uh for you know us getting on doing what we do every year and vale has been doing for 175 years and that is growing riesling
0: amazing yes. it's, it's amazing 175 years growing riesling in the same spot yep. it's unbelievable you guys
1: are, you, you would have nailed it by now <laughs> <laughs> you probably nailed it <laughs> in well, year 2 <laughs> yeah
2: well there there is a bit of history there it's not 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 absolutely continuous but right. i can, I can share that with you if yeah. you like but let's get, so the but the the vintage itself so i think 22 any riesling producer in south australia is going to tell you it was you know one out of the bag it was just a beautiful year Right. Um, that's great for us to hear for sure yeah yeah and, and so the, the the special edition um is a label that um is has been sort of recreated to you know that looks very you know similar um sort of honors the labels from the late 60s and early 1970s mm-hmm. which is when the hillsmith family um sort of relaunched beauty as a as a riesling brand to uh, to the world and so it's this beautiful um label with the sort of that a black and white sort of sketch of the vineyard and it is um, beautiful. The, the, the great thing about it is that it's got the it, it's got um, the beautiful sort of white uh, screw cap on it which is what those wines had from 1970 because yeah. Pusey was one of those pioneers of the screw cap back in those days and you know I suppose most people just take for granted these days that Riesling you know why wouldn't you seal it under a screw cap but it was quite a long and interesting journey in itself
0: yeah, I, I I always ask winemakers about about that one, Louisa, because I, having worked in auctions, I've seen all these old seventies and early eighties wines from from not only the Eden Valley but also the Clare Valley under screw cap. But some of the really funny things, and you can you can understand why they were doing it at the time, was to see screw caps and corks sealing the same bottle. That was one out of the yeah. box. Yeah. And and the, some of the classic class. so Leasingham, they they did a trial in the early 80s yeah. with corks and screw caps and corks and screw caps on the same bottles. It's absolutely unbelievable. But it did take a... It's a, a- pretty,
1: it's, it's pretty contentious issue right now, though. I mean, was it Richard? Um, we were on the, uh, the show together going back a couple of months ago. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, just having, you know, different people. So we had Stephen Henschke on and he's... Uh, you know, he's all for the screw cap, and then you have someone who's all for the, you know the cork coming back more, and ev- everyone's got their different reasons yeah. for using it and not to. But it is it can become a little bit contentious. Yes,
2: yeah, so I've um, in the thirty years that I've been uh, you know working for the Hillsmith family, I've sort of gone from you know showing people screw cap, and you know, and, and then moving them into cork, and then back into screw cap, and yes, mm. it's uh, it's it's an interesting journey, um, and it's a really interesting time now because. In the quality of cork that's available now is better than it's ever been.
1: Yeah.
2: So In, yeah. The, in the late 90s and early 2000s, when, you know, the, the screw cap really became an institution, you know, in mm. Australia and New Zealand, uh, you know, the quality of cork, you know, because of the expansion of the world and, you know, of, mm. of wine and the number of corks that needed to be produced, the, the quality of cork was atrocious.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't yes.
2: just paint. It was, you know, oxidation and, and just failure of cork. So mm. whereas now... Uh, you know the, the the science has come a long way. The cork manufacturers have come a long way, and you know we, you know at uh, you know under the and for the Alumba wines, you know we're using, you know cork on our on our premium red wines with a lot of confidence these days.
0: I wonder yeah. though, Louisa, if everybody just suddenly switched straight away back to cork. Whether there'd be a shortage of cork again? You know what I mean? Are those two things related? Oh, I, 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 un, undoubtedly. Yeah, undoubtedly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, like like any natural
2: product. Um, you know, it's the same. If everyone switched to Chardonnay, all of a sudden, there'd be a shortage of Chardonnay. You well, know, I mean, <laughs> that help us thing. all. a that's
0: all
1: right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's what the listeners, we're going straight to Chardonnay. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean but of course, people people get a lot of opportunity to use other closures and stuff as well. There's DMs and all that sort of thing as well. But just before we get on to that, I do have our first uh, message coming in here from Kim, who says, good morning, Richo and Jill. Could you please ask Louisa about the Contours vineyard? And what made Joseph Gilbert choose that site for Riesling?
2: Good question. Sure, can, perhaps I, can I just give you a, a potted history and, and, and a picture of, of Pusey Vale because yeah. I think it will answer that question. And we'll get oh. there. Beautiful. Okay. So in, in 1847, um, Joseph Gilbert, um, who had come out with, uh, from England, he came from Wiltshire near the, um, the, the, the town of Pusey, and hence the what he named his property. He came out, and he was given a large area you know, thousands of acres of, of what is now the Eden Valley. And he came out in the early 1840s. And in 1847, he planted a small vineyard. He fancied himself as a bit of a winemaker. I think he had spent a bit of time in France on his way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and he planted um, some of the varieties that were available in Australia at that time that came out of New South Wales. And they were Riesling, Vidello, Gouet, Cabernet and Shiraz. And we don't hear much about the Gouet or the Vidallo, mm-hmm. um, and not a lot about the Reds, although they did make a few clarets, or, um, you know, in their um, in their day. Um, but Riesling is a variety that was known, and and, um, and you know, even as early as 1852, there are um, there are reviews, um, you know, in newspapers and in books about these beautiful aromatic Rieslings that were coming off the Gilberts Puyi vineyard. So. Joseph and his son and his grandson, so three generations of the family, up until the 1920s c- continued to produce Riesling, they sent them back to England, they, they sold them in Australia, um, and then unfortunately when the third generation died, the fourth generation um, didn't want to continue with any of the property and it was subdivided um, and sort of sold off, and that was the end of the sort of the first era of Pusey Vale. And then in the very early 1960s, Wyndham Hill Smith um, of, of Yolumba um, and the then owner of the, the that part of the Pusey Val uh, you know, station or, or farm, um, Jeff Angus Parsons, were good friends and they were um, they were they were having as, as was their want um, a meal together. And the, the story goes, and I'm 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 paraphrasing this because I wasn't there, um, but uh, that uh, that Jeff Angus Parsons was drinking German Riesling. And uh, you know, Wyndham says, "Why are you drinking a German Riesling? You know, when you could be drinking an Australian wine." And <laughs> and the answer went something along the lines of, "Well, if we could produce wines like this, I would." Yeah. Um, and Wyndham, knowing how how beautiful some Eden Valley Rieslings that were still growing and being made, but not on the Puyville property, were, um, sort of, I think, put the sort of the challenge out. And together they they decided that evening that they would redevelop the the Puyville vineyard. And um and so it did. And so our first finds went in in 1961 and um so that's sort of the modern history if you like of of pusey vale it goes back to 1961. sure um wow. and from there in the 60s there were a number of you know past parts of that vineyard planted and one particular parcel that was planted in 1965 was planted on um one of the only real southern facing slopes in the vineyard yep. we don't often talk about slopes in the eden valley at sort of that sort of latitude of you know 30 Four-ish, um you know, degrees. It, it's not really that relevant, but it just makes this that part of the vineyard um, just slightly uh, cooler. Um, and in 1995, when we decided that we wanted to go back to screw cap and put a small amount of wine away for a museum release, we decided that um, we would use that particular planting. So that 1965 planting, the vines planted on the contours, because in those days, um, in the sixties you know, the management of soil was not to grow cover crops and grasses and biodiversity, it was to, to keep the ground bare and, and to plough it. So the con- vines were planted on the contours to make sort of small natural terraces so that when it rained, the so- the, the rain soaked in, it didn't wash away down the hill and it didn't yeah. take the soil, precious soil with it. Yeah. So um, we've, we named that block the contours block because the vines are planted on the contours in those lovely sort of curves. Um, and when when uh, we released that first wine, the Pusey Vale Contours um, in 2000, um, it was um, you know that was what the name that we gave it. So the Contours block is a is a particular planting within the entire within the Puseyvale vineyard itself. Yeah. Um, and and ev- and every vintage since 1995, we've made this wine, which we release as a as a museum wine or as an aged wine only, um, with about five and a half to six years of age on it.
0: Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. gonna because it's south facing. It's gonna have a bit more drive to it, isn't it? It's gonna just have a little bit more structure than the, than the regular stuff.
2: Yeah, it is, and the aging, of course, also gives it that extra sort of richness and and, and body to it as well. Oh yeah. I think I think one of the characteristics of of Pusey Vale Riesling, um, whichever Riesling it is, and they do also. I mean, one thing that's important to know is Pusey Vale is a vineyard. It's a single vineyard, and and mm. all of the wine that everyone's drunk, you know, all their lives from Pusey Vale only ever comes from that vineyard. Yeah. yeah. Um and it's at it, the characteristics of it are that beautiful sort of soft natural acidity and then that that what is quite a low pH, which gives it that gorgeous sort of minerality and, and gentleness to the wine, but also that great ageability.
0: Yeah, they they age spectacularly. Having stood up at places like Steingarten on the top of the hill there, it gets pretty windy up there too. So is it sometimes pretty hard work, uh, <laughs> pruning in winter or picking the grapes <laughs> in summer or
2: yes it uh, people often get surprised um you know going from particularly from the barossa valley which is often quite sort of mild and, yeah. and warm and driving up to the eden valley and and feeling how you know just that extra two three hundred meters how much cooler it gets but yeah. absolutely how windy it is and it's <laughs> like steingarten and in fact we're not far from steingarten no, it's just Valle across life, the
0: it. next ridge isn't it sort of that's it yeah. yeah and
2: when you stand at pusey valley you're literally looking down over you know over the barossa so yeah, you get beautiful. that real feeling of sort of how high you are, but because of that, also there's this great ability for the wind just to come straight off the Ross <laughs> and up into the Eden Valley. But it's also one of the great things that keeps that vineyard air conditioned, and you know, so it's yeah. great for its climate, but it also keeps it, um, you know, very sort of air rated. Yeah, cool.
1: So how many hectares is there? It's about 50 hectares of vines. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, yeah. it's 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 not huge. It's not huge, but it's no, no, fairly no, no. Condensed. It's not
2: huge. I mean, it's it's a beautiful rolling rolling vineyard. Um, and and it's hard to sort of talk in sort of hectares for a vineyard like that because those old plantings mm-hmm. being on the contours, it's you know, it's not all on a yep. grid, so it's not the sort yeah. of yes. normal sort of planting density. So they're more spread out than you might normally be. But no, it's not. Um, it, it's um, it's it's not really very big.
1: Yeah. So actually, was we just touched on that um, the Vale wines are the very well renowned for aging beautifully. Actually, I even just saw another article this morning uh, by Steve at Q Wines, who um, who was uh, reviewing one of yours. We had him on the show about six F-friend months. ago. Friend of the show. And and it's yeah, it's just so funny. I literally saw him on, on LinkedIn this morning, and um, and uh, and I commented that you were going to be on the show. And, um, you know, and we, we do love an aged Riesling and we do know that Rieslings age very well and there's also that little black hole they can go through and we speak about it often. But what is it about the, your approach to the winemaking with Rieslings that uh, that has made them so famous to be aged? <laughs> uh, I'd love to
2: be able to take, take credit for uh, for that, <laughs> but it really is just that, that, that site that does it. Um, right. And, um, you know, the Pusey Vale Rieslings, you know, have been ageing, you know, for... Certainly since the nineteen sixty four, which was the first wine that was made under the Hillsmith family leadership. Right. Um, and they just they just do age. Um the I, I think one of the things that we do with the wines these days, um, and it's which has been the case now for quite a while, um, is that to really capture as much of that you Know, let's call it terroir if you like. I don't know whether that's a word you use or not, but, but <laughs> you know, I can't think of a better one to, no. to absolutely capture the whole site. Yeah, is that we also use the um, um, to do all the fermentation, we use the indigenous yeast in that vineyard, yeah. But yeah. we don't, add, we, we, we literally just pick the grapes, the, the, the those beautiful yeast and all of their different types and styles, um, just piggyback in on the grapes. And when you press the grapes to to liberate the juice, the yeast wash off into the juice and they start to ferment and that's how they turn the sugar into alcohol yeah. so uh, i i do think and we know from making other varieties from other vineyards um that that type of wine making does in enhance the ageability of a wine.
1: right
2: um yeah. but but it, <clears throat> you know I don't, I don't even think pusey needs any enhancing to be perfectly honest for that because it's mm. got such a great ability to age yeah
0: the juice is yeah. pretty so, good the beauty
2: of it though is that if people you know if it and I think this is always a trap, is that we talk so much about these beautiful aged wines and yet most people actually prefer to drink it as, you know, when it's beautiful, young, vibrant and fruity. Mm. Um, and
1: so that's, you know, I, it has that sort of appeal, I think, at any at any of its age. Yeah, yeah well, that's, that's the beauty of it, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's food friendly. It's extremely versatile. Drinking it young, drinking it mid, drinking it old is, is gorgeous. I've just realised a, a, a correlation between... Um, I was reading about the, the specific collector's edition and how you're producing 1,847 bottles. And at the time I didn't actually realize, I thought that's very specific. What's that to do with? <laughs> but it's that's crazy. actually <laughs> the, the year that you first planted <laughs> yeah. Brazley. I love that. It. <laughs> but what I'd love to know is, so you can't actually make exactly 1,847 bottles. So what are you doing with the rest of it? It just won't be labeled collector's edition?
2: Yes, it will just have its, uh, the, the regular Pizzivel, um estate label on it.
0: Goes into yeah. the, uh goes into the Louisa Rose collection at home, I would have thought. There we go. But, um... <laughs> yeah,
2: there is a fairly large Riesling collection here in the Louisa Rose collection. Yeah, I imagine,
0: I imagine. I uh, imagine. <laughs> so we do we're, actually we're... have another question that's come through from Christopher, but I'll just predicate this by saying one of my favourite Australian wines is the Signature. And uh, Cabernet Shiraz, of course, or Shiraz uh, for, for you guys up there in South Australia, uh, started in 1962, one of the great Australian vintages, of course. Uh, and before we get on to the question, can can we're talking with Louisa Rose from Yolumba and also um, celebrating the occasion of Pusey Vale's 175th birthday. Can you just tell us a little bit about uh, why the signature such a special wine, Louisa? Yeah, so, the, well,
2: the signature... There's a couple of reasons why it's very special. Yeah. And one of them is, as you mentioned, it's that beautiful Cabernet Shiraz blend. You know, what we often term as that sort of great Australian red. Um, not a not a blend and not a style that's, you know, that, that's known around the world. Yeah, it's
0: very unique um, to us, isn't it?
2: It is. And, you know, when, remember when I was saying uh, listing off the varieties that Joseph Gilbert planted um, back in 1847? Um, and I've seen the sort of advertisements in the newspaper, you know, from the 1840s from, you um, um, from that Camden nursery that 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 with had that had that sort of first real you know curated collection of vines. Yeah. Um. And they were basically on that list. And I just imagine you know a lot of the the early grape growers sort of you know look, looking at those um you know what they could buy and going oh yeah we'll have a bit of that we'll have a bit of that we'll have a bit of that and they ended up with Cabernet and Shiraz as their two reds. Yeah. Particularly in an area like the Barossa in South Australia where they both grow so well. And then when they sort of you know got around to making the wines and things, they're going well am I going to have two rhyme? Am I going to have a you know? Uh, two clarets because that's what they wouldn't would have been talking about them in terms of style, yeah. or we blend them together and make one, and that blend historically has just been so fantastic that um, you know I, it, it's it's kept going you know for all those years. So at at Ylumba, the um, Cabernet Shiraz blend um, has been being made. We know at least as far back as the you know the late eighteen nineties and probably earlier. We just haven't got the records for it. Yeah. Um, and then sort of, you know, under the Galway labels, you know, right from the sort of the 1940s, 1943 onwards. Um, and then in 1962 was this opportunity to to launch the sort of the signature. And the other reason that it's special is because every vintage, uh, every wine that's been released, and, and that's from most vintages, um, since 1962 has been dedicated to somebody that's, um, you know, had a, a role to play within the, uh, you know, the wider, you know, your lumber um, and Hillsmith family, right. you know, business at that time. And being a family-owned winery, and still very much family-owned, with Robert Hill Smith and fifth generation, and his daughter Jessica, it's our sixth, sixth generation, still very active in the business. Um, you know, it is like working in a, you know, in a in an extended family. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of people. In fact, we've got in in December, we've got um, um, within sort of three days of each other. You know, um, uh, one person celebrating 50 years working with the business, one forty-five and the other one might be only a new starter at 25 years just a lazy year. 25 <laughs> yeah
0: that's
1: a so, lot of service um, leaves going you know,
2: there's a there's a lot of people that have really you know played important roles within within the business and so they're they're recognised on on the signature the back label of the signature it's a long skinny label on that sort of claret shaped bottle yeah um and it's not the story of the wine it's the story of the person um that that wine's dedicated to and you know throughout the business and the people that that enjoy the wine you know, the wines are often not, not remembered by their vintage, but actually by the person that was on there.
0: Yeah, and um, just to sort of extrapolate a little bit further, Christopher was wondering what, um, what you know, how the Cayley came about and what, what really differentiates those two wines on the sort of high end.
2: Yeah, okay, great question. So back in the 60s um, and through in the 70s and, and 80s, the signature was was a blend of Cabernet and Shiraz. Um, it was... Um, it, from South Australia, but it, but sometimes, often it was a Coonawarra Cabernet Barossa Shiraz. Yep. Sometimes it was a, a, Barossa, a Barossa blend, um, but it wasn't until really when we really started to work out exactly where our GI boundaries, so our regional boundaries were when we really started to export wine, that the regionality became more front of mind. And it wasn't that we weren't always proud to be in the Barossa. It was just that we hadn't—we would sort of, I think, probably taken it for granted. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, we'd sort of, we sort of—we were defining these boundaries. We understood the importance of them from a, you know, a, 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 a talking point of view. And so we decided in the mid '90s that Signature would become Barossa.
0: Right.
2: Um, the other region, and, and Yolumba have also got that beautiful Menzies Vineyard in Coonawarra, oh, yeah. yeah. which 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 we make and have been making Cabernet on, you know, all that time as well. But we always knew in the back of our minds that that, that Kunawara Cabernet Barossa Shiraz blend was just this was also a, an amazing wine, different from Barossa Cabernet Barossa Shiraz. Um, not necessarily better or worse, but, but just different. And so in 2012, which was uh, a phenomenal vintage, um, both in, in quality right across South Australia, but also we had, you know, quite good volumes. Um, after vintage, we were looking through parcels of you know the, the wines, and we were just looking at them, going, you know, if we're ever going to do this, this, this Koonawarra Barossa blend again, this is the year we could start. And that, and we did, and so that became the the Cayley, which is uh, a wine that was um, released um, in 2017 from the 2012 vintage.
1: Good
0: question. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, they're great wines, and um, you know, I've just had another. I was just about to text this through to you, Jill. But uh, good morning, uh, Richo, Jill, and Louisa. And this one's from Matt. Thanks, Matt, for texting in. Now, this is a great. This is a great one, and I know you're going to love this, Jill. Louisa. The best Viognas I've ever drunk have wonderful precision, balance and power without being too broad and fat. Is Viognas a difficult variety to master in this way? And, of course, you guys are the masters or mistresses or legends of <laughs> mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Viognas is
2: not difficult once you understand that, how a... How it behaves, yeah. You know? And um, in many, and uh, we haven't got two hours for my Viognier master. It master. sounds like a naughty,
1: <laughs> naughty child, and you got the discipline happening. I'm, I'm, can't wait to hear this.
2: So, 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 um, your lumber first planted Viognier in 1980. Um, was one of the first plantings outside of Condrieu.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, which is in the northern Rome, Um, and it was almost extinct around the world when we planted it. Really. Um. Wow. Yeah. So 11 hectares we think there were in the world about that time. Hard to tell. Those <laughs> records are always very difficult
0: to get. 1980. 11, depending. Oh,
2: wow. 1980. 11 hectares. And um, it, <laughs> the early days we started off going, well, we know how to make Riesling and it's white and Viognier's white and we've planted it in the Eden Valley. So and bear in mind, I'm simplifying this a bit. But let's make it like Riesling because, you know, that should work, right? And in fact, um, it, it didn't work. Um, for all of the reasons that, you know, Viognier is really sort of the opposite of, of Riesling in terms of, you know, the, how it behaves. It, it ripens later. It has no flavour until it gets ripe. So if you pick it too early, it tastes like nothing. It's naturally very low in acidity. So yeah. if, you're, if you're not careful, you end up with something that's really flabby and, and oily, as, your, uh, yeah. as the question said. Yeah. Um, and then it's it's got a lot of very, you know, a lot of skin tannins and a lot of... Um, you know bitterness potentially that comes out of the skins if you if you if you treat it too roughly so um our to cut a long story short you know our journey you know with viognier was understanding that you know how to grow it in fact the grapes like to be out in the sunshine getting a bit of a suntan that's when they develop their flavors you know not picking it until it had that flavor but as soon as it had those beautiful stone fruit flavors picking the grapes yeah and then our journey using you know really starting to understand how to um, maximise the, the the natural yeast in the vineyards to make the wine was really the, I think, the pivotal moment for us in terms of really un- getting those wines in
0: balance. Yeah, right. Interesting. And then
2: relying on enough of the natural phenolics or those beautiful sort of tannins, you know, I, I talk about them like sort of bitter, refreshing sort of tannins at the, the, in the wine, which gives the precision that your uh, question was talking about. Yeah. Um, and the finesse to those wines without them having very high natural acidity. And that's how you balance it. So it's actually really easy once you understand it. But is that, that's probably yeah. the answer
1: to <laughs> It really does just sound like that naughty, cantankerous child, but uh, you just of like, wear are gear and then you get it right. Oh but it's all everyone's work in, have in fun. the end. <laughs> and, and look, absolutely. They have to say, these have been great questions in yeah. the last 30 minutes. Great questions oh, yeah. and fantastic answers. Um,
0: the listeners so are on fire this, this for a long time.
1: Absolutely yeah. on fire. Um, it must just be the time of the year. Um, so, look, all of this, you've been part of a lot of fantastic information about uh, a lot more than just the reasoning which is great um uh, we're just closing up now but can you just quickly touch us on what are you actually doing for the celebration of the 175 years
2: well we've got uh, actually we've really probably talked about most of it because it's a commemorative label so that which you've already said that there's 18 18- 147 bottles being done, and so that's that that will be um, available, you know, in limited sort of amounts in you know in, in various places. And as you say, it's out already. Um, but if you can't get the commemorative label, the you know the, the 2022 riesling is the same in the in the traditional label as well. So don't don't panic. You still get the wine. Um, we are already working really on the 2023 vintage. So the vines are already shooting. We can see the little inflorescences out there. Um, I was up in the up, up Pusey Bell um, on on Friday morning. just a beautiful day. finally, the sun had come out and um, you know so the, the the vines are really starting to grow. but we're not having a we're not having a great party per purpose mm, okay.
1: um, that was my but,
2: angle. Yeah, apart <laughs> from the fact that you know every day's a party with Pusey Bell.
0: We'll have a party for you. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so I much. Like it. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us on a Sunday morning, Louisa Rose from your lumber.
2: Uh, my pleasure.